Hey, Alex, great to have you with us. Thanks for joining us um, on this uh, Trestle podcast. We're going to be talking about all things apprenticeships, uh, something that you're, you've you've been in, involved with. And well, I'll I'll let you introduce yourself. And yeah, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and what your involvement in apprenticeships has been? Yeah, of course. So I'm Alex Beliski, head of training for PJ Care, a early onset neurological care provider. Um, we we do a lot around kind of complex nursing care, um, especially those that are kind of under 65, um, based across kind of multiple regions. So that's kind of where, where I'm at at the moment. But kind of prior to working for PJ Care, um, I worked for a, um, a university supporting with the hiring degree apprenticeships that they, they set up and, and offered to lots of large providers, really. Um, and then kind of 10 years for 10 years before that, I worked for a, a, a local college to, to where I live, um, working on various different kind of CPD programs for large employers. And um, during that time, also set up my own level three apprenticeships in areas like youth and community development as well. So I've had um, multiple hats around the apprenticeship side from setting up provision right through now to procuring suppliers and trying to pick the best suppliers for our services as well. So yeah, lots of experience. Nice. Um, and yeah, and, and, and I've enjoyed every single day of it, I should add. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, apprenticeships can be amazing. I've only been yeah, involved in apprentices four or five years now. Um, and I know it's such a, a huge space and huge potential uh, life-changing yeah, opportunities that I think you're going to talk about some, some, maybe some examples uh, in a bit. Um, so tell us a bit about, um, yeah, what kind of provision are you involved in sort of looking after at the moment? And yeah, what, what kind of standards are involved? What kind of learners and challenges and successes? There's about four questions in there. So this is- yes, I'll try and tick them off one by one. <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, so, so ours is very mixed in our our provision. So we we utilise level two apprentices right up to level seven apprenticeships. So um, even for myself, I'm, I, I like to practice what I preach. Uh, I think it's really important that um, if if you're going to promote something, you go you go through the mill yourself. So I, I'm currently on a a, a level seven senior leader uh, apprenticeship and and feeling all of the pain points that our apprentices are feeling at the, at the moment. Um, in terms of kind of the various programs that we, we have on offer at PJ Care, um, we are doing uh, level two in, in kind of health and social care. We've got support service apprenticeships. We've got ones in finance as well. Um, we are also supporting other areas. So level six Digitech is one of the apprenticeships that we've got. Uh, we have nurse associates and registered uh, nursing degree apprenticeships on the go as well. A, a big bulk of our provision is, is aimed though and geared at the level two and level three health and social care courses, um, mainly because that, that, that's the bulk of our workforce and that's where the biggest opportunity to support and develop individuals are. So yeah, that's, that's what we offer um, in terms of pain points. Uh, biggest pain point will always be the trying to fit it in around the job and COVID. I'm going to drop the, the C bomb straight away. Uh, it, it's probably been our, our biggest challenge because it's 
like for the health and social care sector, it's, it's been very much all hands on deck. So when the pandemic hit, we we saw that a lot of time on the units had been restricted because all of our procedures and activities just amplified massively from regular, more regular IP like infection prevention control measures to physically locking down sites. So we, we couldn't have our apprentices come off of a unit and sit in a classroom and, and, and study. So everything had to be done physically in the workplace, which actually at the crux of an apprenticeship worked worked really well because actually they become more attuned to learning in the flow of work and they were having to like evidence more of the stuff that they were learning on the apprenticeships, like in the actual environments rather than being removed from it. So it was quite interesting from that perspective. But I mean, yeah, off the job time is, is always going to be the challenge because there's so much to learn. And, and especially with the healthcare um, apprenticeships, mainly like the registered nurse uh, degree apprenticeship and the nurse associate, the restrictions that are put onto the apprentices by the NMC, um, so like national, national um, uh, like the national governing awarding body for for those courses is, is like the off the job time is as many people know like fifty to sixty percent. So trying to find that is is quite difficult. Mm. Um, so yeah, that, I'd say that's big, the, probably the biggest pain point, but also making sure that we, we have the right learners and the right pro program has is, is been really important as well. So the last thing we want to do is, is set people up to fail. So trying to progress people to the higher level apprenticeships when they're not ready for it has been, it's been quite the challenge, but the, a lot of that has been about working with the right providers, but also having the right internal information and advice and guidance from, from an employer's side, I think, Previously, when I worked for for um, kind of education providers and working from the trainer side, um, there were individuals that weren't so like understanding of all of the different regulations and rules that that um, kind of get put on an apprentice. So they were just trying to push people through and 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 ramp up the numbers. But actually, if it's not the right learner at the right time in the right moment. Um, you, you almost set up those learners to fail every time. So trying to get that right in this organisation is, is, is also been um, a bit of a pain, but a good pain, because I think you you have to work through those problems and find out what works best um, to then set up the best provision you can. Yeah. Yeah, that did that answer all four I think of the questions? So. There's, yeah, there's, there's definitely I, I, <laughs> definitely close. I, I can't remember what my questions were, which is yeah. fairly, fairly kind of standard for me. Um, but yeah, some interesting points there, um, particularly picking up on, I mean, picking up on the point about, yeah, setting the learner up to fail, which, which can be, if, if something isn't right in the mix, that can be the unfortunate reality, which is a real shame. And that kind of feeds into yeah. the, the kind of current discourse around, you know, low completion rates, especially on some programs. Um, it varies a lot across different programs, right? So I know, Maybe sort of, I know programs I'm involved with are typically sort of 80, 90%, but some will be, you know, below 50%. And yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a wide issue, right? And also the yeah. thought came to me that apprenticeships are a team sport, aren't they? They require the commitment from not just the Absolutely. apprentice, not just from the training provider, but from the employer as well. And all the way through the employer, not just from upper management, but from those workplace mentors. And it, it requires that, that kind of commitment all the way through. And if one of those aspects is missing, it really undermines it, right? Um, picking up on the COVID 
um, catalyst, as it were. Well, do you do you think do you feel that COVID was a catalyst for any positive change for for those programs that your um, your staff were on? Because I know, particularly from my side, being typically in the digital digitech side of things at degree level. A lot of our software engineers, IT consultants now, sort of post-COVID or almost post-COVID, if there ever will be a post-COVID, um, you know, workers are, jobs are typically remote first now. A lot, lots of them are, they're 100% remote. They've maybe moved away geographically from where the offices are. Um, and with digital, that kind of works because of the, the nature of, of the space. But healthcare, completely different. Right. So um, tell me about that. I mean, maybe yeah. the challenges or, or maybe the benefits that came out of COVID. Yeah, OK. So so I think a big part is is horses for courses here. It depends on the apprenticeship program and, and the role that the individual is doing. So um, I think what I, I noticed from my own apprenticeship, actually, a lot of it is uh, is knowledge based and critical thinking. And actually, it's about the connection with people. So a lot of the work that I was doing on, on my apprenticeship was uh, ended up being it ended up being remote learning. And um, for me, actually, like, it's not just about kind of the course and the, the role that somebody's doing, but also the learning style of the individual. So I, I went from my first degree, um, which was in youth and community development, getting okay grades. I mean, I was scraping two two at times, so it wasn't it wasn't the best the best scores that I could get, and I think that's because at the time when I took on that degree, and it was a non apprenticeship, I should say, I took on that degree and I wasn't ready for it as an individual. I was a nineteen year old guy that was um, I think I kind of knew what I wanted to do, but the passion wasn't overly there, and um, the way I was taught in the classroom with like forty nine other learners was was like really difficult for me and i didn't really understand how to write assignments and, and that yeah but this apprenticeship this higher apprenticeship during covid with the remote learning and the access to technology and and kind of knowing how a business works in a much better way um i mean i'm i'm scoring like 80 90 percent on some of my assignments at the moment, which is like so it's mad yeah i will show off yes. <laughs> uh no, but, it, but it's mad. It shows you. It just shows you the distinct like difference between if you get the learning style right and the right course for for the learner compared to wrong time, wrong technology, wrong learning style, all of that stuff. Um, the differences are, are, are really like are really far apart. So, and I think like single handedly, that's what where the apprenticeship programs offer far more than the traditional routes of learning. Um, because a, a person can connect to their passion and they can show showcase that portfolio and they can make it really work as long as the ecosystem and infrastructure around them is, is, is right and positive, which um, at the moment it feels like for the course that I'm on, like it works. Um, and I think that's what you get with the, the healthcare apprenticeships as well. To do a healthcare apprenticeship fully remote just doesn't work. Yeah. What you need, um, because it's vocational, and, and I, I would say probably the same for things like engineering and those other apprenticeships where you do have to be hands-on and the difficulty, I think, more than anything with, say, the healthcare apprenticeships is they're all about people. <laughs> and COVID at that time was like, you can't be near people. So it, it, it shouldn't work. Yeah. Um, 
but what COVID also did was like within the industry, ramp up all of the things that are really, really important, like your infection prevention control measures, your safeguarding measures, your um, kind of activities that you're doing with, with residents, your clinical skills and all, all of the things that um, like healthcare practitioners should be zoning in on and, and really committing to. It really focused in on what's essential like we'll get you to showcase and portfolio those bits and go above and beyond, but we'll do it from a way that like you're really like drawing out the learning from the practice. So I think COVID for, for the healthcare side lent, like meant, enabled us to lean more into this world of what apprenticeship should be. They should be on the job. They should be applying learning. They should be about changing behaviors whilst you're working and developing. So from, from that side where, practitioners couldn't do like in the classroom stuff. It became much more coaching and support on the floor and learning in the environment, which is what it should be. Mm. For the other apprentice apprentices that I've got, like the finance and the um, like the Digitech ones, it, it did become more remote because like ultimately they could use their computers and they could sit in those quiet spaces and, and really zone in. And I think what we, we saw is that people became more focused. So they weren't, Mess around, messing around with like like the, the additional nice to have support stuff. When they went into their sessions on Teams, it was like for a solid hour, they were focusing there and then, and they could, they could use the side screen to do more research about the topic while the lecturers were talking. Yeah, Whereas if you're in the classroom and someone pulls out their mobile as a side screen and, and is Googling, they're normally told, why, why have you got the phone out? You're not paying attention, but actually, it, I think, if anything, it's reinforcing the learning, um, and that sometimes gets overlooked. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. So, yeah, pros and cons. Yeah, yeah, yeah fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I am a great advocate of, yeah, the, the, the kind of learning design that should work both offline and and online, which is a difficult thing to do. Yeah. But I think a lot of a lot of provision, particularly in higher education, if, if it was an HE kind of apprenticeship, was reliant traditionally on that sage on the stage kind of approach and, and having these long sessions that are quite sort of fluid and there's lots of talking through slides and stuff, which just does not, it, it's not, in my opinion, it, it's not great learning in itself and face to face yeah. time can be spent a lot better. And then time online together has to be spent differently. Um, because if it is just yeah. one way knowledge transfer in the form of lectures, that's, that's kind of impoverished learning is, is my view. And really when we're online during COVID, actually creating those collaborative kind of discussion spaces was even more important. And you can, you can design them, you design activities. Um, but I know from a learning design point of view, we need to, those uh, educators, I think need to get away from the, the addiction to content and slides. I think it's more yeah. about, and, and what are apprenticeships about? Like you said, it's vocational, right? Regardless of whether it's digital or in healthcare, it's vocational and applied. And the learning should yeah. be like that as well. But yeah. And, and I think in some senses, COVID has helped be a catalyst to accelerate that. Um, so long may it continue. Yeah, I, agree. I absolutely agree there. And, but, but I think as well, it just, it stripped away a lot of the nonsense that, um, like all training providers, um, like I know there's, there's, there's within the programs, there's obviously the core learning outcomes that everybody needs to provide to meet the standards of the apprenticeship. But then there's a lot of stuff that gets thrown in as added value. But sometimes that 
just detracts away from what the learners should actually be learning. So I think COVID really, really just reset the pack for everybody and just said, like, let's let's zone in on what learners need and they absolutely need for EPA. And yeah. I think ultimately you get a better quality of friendship as a result of yeah, that. Yeah, it's been a refining experience. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think one thing that was really interesting was um, in the early days, just seeing how, like, the training providers reacted to, like, having to switch their provision to be more remote. Um, like, obviously, innovation comes out of necessity. And I think, like, we saw that with, with first Microsoft Teams and Zoom in terms of how quickly they developed their products and got people using the stuff. But what was really interesting from the early days as well was to see how the um, academic professionals who weren't used to the, the setup of Zoom and Teams, um, some of them really struggled in the early days. And I would have thought, actually, like, especially at higher, higher, higher degree level, like these are the individuals that should be, they should have been doing this for, for decades. I mean, think how long the open university has been around. And, and yet, like, I, I doesn't, I, I think what, one of the best things for the education sector that's happened is you see all these other universities that are kind of, they promote the vocational stuff and they promote the in-classroom stuff, how quickly their lecturers had to switch to becoming um, up to date with like the, the OU's model of delivery. I'm not saying the OU models of delivery is best either here, just, just for the no, record. But they put a lot of they, work they into were one of the early getting, it, getting it working well online, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but what, the, the one thing I have noticed with, with kind of the whole setup as well, though, is like even though everybody's got like Microsoft Teams and Zoom or like their own like online pr pr provision, the support apprenticeship uh, program, uh, the systems, the, appren uh, the support apprenticeship systems that um, kind of float around how, like supporting the apprenticeships, they still seem really early in, the, in their development stages. So like having used, I think we've got about 14 different standards with about, I think there's about six or seven suppliers that we, we use and every single one is using a different platform wow. and in a very, very different <laughs> way. That um, sounds fun to and do. And one with. of them I've seen just, <laughs> oh, honestly, it's an absolute headache. And from an employer side, trying to pull reports and understand where your, your learners are at to be able to provide the support can become quite time consuming and, and, and difficult. So, and especially kind of coming back to the COVID question, during a time when everything went remote, <laughs> not to have systems that supported that, that remote understanding. And that includes like some of the well-known um, universities as well. That, that becomes really difficult um, because it, it doesn't help me as an employer uh, like know whether somebody's on track and know whether we need to intervene and, and stuff. So I've had to rely quite heavily on the tripartite reviews and getting like line managers to feed back to me internally. But I just thought it was really interesting from, from a time when lots of collaboration and technology was being thrown out. One of the things that lagged behind was the apprenticeship systems to, yeah. which are the things that actually support mm. the apprentices. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's obviously close to my heart as well. And part of the, yeah, part of the, the aim of Trestle was to try and solve, sol solve, <laughs> solve some of those, those issues. But I, I think, I think a lot of the, the problem, yeah, I, I think in a way, I mean, with apprenticeships, apprenticeships in the in the, the, the modern sense are, are fairly new, and there's lots of large com systems that have been built to help with compliance, and I think that is part of the problem, right? That they're they're kind of they've built been built out of necessity, 
um, with compliance as the main motivator, not necessarily the the end yeah. the end learner in mind. And and but the maximum benefit will come when it, these systems are actually they augment the learner experience, and they're not just a a place for forms to go, which I think is a common yeah. the, the kind of the the state of the um, the marketplace at the moment, as it were. Um, so I think these, these kind of learner-centric tools is where where we we should be headed, but then of course the learners aren't paying the bills, and that that's that's the the kind of business reality. Um, so I know, well, particularly that's something I'm particularly passionate about at Trestle, trying to yeah. do things a little bit differently. Um, Absolutely, and I, I do think a big part of it, kind of as you say, like it's not about having a database hmm. or a, a, a data storage place. Like that stuff needs to be functional, not just not just for the learner, but for the employer yeah. too. Like, I've got an invested interest in knowing what knowledge, skills, and behaviours are being developed throughout the throughout the, the program, and I want to see our our apprentices move from being like not competent in one area to being highly competent in an area. And I want to see that journey to know that the training supplier that um, we're, we're utilising, like I want to know that the money's being well spent. Um, even though we use like the apprenticeship levy for a lot of our stuff, like it's still a big investment. Yep. Like we like not just, not just money as well. It's time. Yeah, yeah. And, and from a personal side, I'm passionate about knowing that somebody's moving towards their dream, mm. their, their dream job. Mm. Like we don't want people that are stagnant um, and feeling unfulfilled. Yep. Like if they've, if they're with us, but their kind of aspiration is to, I mean, I've got people in the organization that want to be like zookeepers and run their own coffee shops and stuff. So why can't we use apprenticeships to help get them onto that journey? Like as long as it relates to their role somewhat, but helps move them on from the development side, like we, we can use apprenticeships to move people into dream careers yeah. um, with ease. But the employer's got to be willing to like support and, and invest in that way. Um, and we absolutely mm. are like, We'd much rather develop people than just keep them stagnant. Yeah, that, that's what apprentices are meant to be about, aren't they? Growth, growth of the person, not just not just ac knowledge Absolutely. transfer. Um, it's not just about reading books or watching videos. Yeah. But growth of the person. Uh, that's why I think it. But, but that's what you said as well in terms of like. No, yeah, I was just going to say that ref, uh, reflection is such a key point in, in apprenticeships, isn't it? Uh, we're encouraged to reflect, and learning learning yeah, doesn't yeah. really happen without reflection. And I think that's that's something that because it's so explicitly um, part of or meant to be part of apprenticeships, you can really lean into that and kind of leverage it on a program. Yeah, especially at those mm. higher levels, it, it becomes essential. Um, at, at the lower levels, it's still it's still very very important. But I think at the lower levels, I'd probably argue that a drive and a motivation and a passion for the the thing that they're studying. Is 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 probably high, yeah. highest priority yeah. out of everything because ultimately, if someone doesn't care about what they're doing, they're never they're never going to yeah. succeed. And um, I know I know we've been guilty of somebody just saying, "Oh yeah, I think this would be good for me," and not necessarily drilling down into the motivation. And then, lo and behold, like who are the first ones to drop off of the program? It's those ones that just actually it's not about like the apprenticeship that we've put them on isn't actually getting them closer to what their dream career is. So it doesn't work. Yeah. That's so important. And that's, yeah, that's part of the initial, 
the initial conversations before an apprenticeship begins, right? And you know, that commitment and understanding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So. And, and, and <laughs> yeah, understanding their motivation is really mm. important. And I know this one will sit close to your heart, but also understanding what that learner's experience is, 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 is already, is, is really important as well. Like, um, in the early days of apprenticeships, I don't, I, well, I can say this because it, it's absolutely true. Understanding somebody's knowledge, skills and behaviours before they walked into a programme um, wasn't done anywhere near as effectively as it should be done. So you had learners relearning tonnes of work or, um, and, and like, I've, I've, got, I've got an example of one learner that they signed up for a, a nursing, a registered nursing degree um and it well sorry no they didn't it wasn't that wasn't the first thing they did they signed up for a assistant practitioner program but it turned out that they'd done um two out of the three years of a nursing right. degree so should have apelled way past that point um but because the knowledge skills and behaviors weren't tracked to before like beforehand all this person needed to do was like the two-year top-up apprenticeship and they would have been qualified but instead they ended up doing this two-year assistant practitioner course first, losing two years of their life and just going over all of the work that they'd been through originally. It's just madness. And that's, they're part of the frustrations of, of people not doing apprenticeships like correctly. Um, and suppliers and training providers not really getting to grips with the training needs analysis and understanding where people have come yeah. from. Um, which is why like the, the latest movement in terms of getting that part of the program uh, or that part of the enrollment stage like mm. watertight like i'm all for it because we we need to not fail people that have have got the experience and the um, the understanding and can evidence yep. that as well um just because like we don't want to fail those people just because highly qualified practitioners aren't doing their information advice and guidance properly indeed yeah very important so yeah, you can put that yeah, on a T-shirt yeah, if you yeah. want. <laughs> yeah, printed on a mug as well. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so, like, final final point I wanted to to talk to you about was really any you you've mentioned I think some sort of successes already, but any any apprenticeship success stories that have like really sort of stuck with you? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, there's quite there's, we've got quite a few. Um, I'm not one of them yet. I'll put my, myself You're in there in few years to come, I'm sure. But um, yeah, <laughs> we um, we do have one that, that that stands out to me kind of more more so than anybody. So um, we have this this um, individual that's been with us uh, just short of two years now, and um, she's 51 years old. She, I mean, when she when she started her working career, um, kind of at the age of a, well, wasn't working career at this stage, but probably should have been classified at given all of the stuff she was doing uh, about 13, 14, her mother became um, seriously ill with a neurological condition. And she ended up being a young carer for her mother and just took on loads of responsibility. Um, her mother worked in a, 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 in her mother worked in a care home and was a, um, I think she was a registered manager at the time. So nursing and healthcare was kind of what she was accustomed to right from a, a young age and absolutely idolized her mother. So dream career for her was a nurse. She wanted to be a nurse and she wanted to move into nursing. Um, so even at that really young age, she knew where she wanted to be. Finished school with 
barely any O levels at the time and um, low level O levels as well, I, I should say. So because of having to care for a mother and, and kind of run the house, essentially, she just wasn't given the opportunity within the schooling education system to, to, to really have the opportunity to excel. Um, not because of her ability, because we've proven at a later stage she's absolutely got the ability and the potential, but just because the, the, the system around her, the infrastructure around her, didn't allow her at that moment in time to achieve everything that she wanted to be and could be. So she ended up kind of um, being a young carer, unfortunately to the point her, mo her mother passed away. Um, from that point, picked up a, a couple of low-level jobs, uh, entry-level jobs, I should say, not low-level, um, entry-level jobs, um, and then had to kind of back away from them because she then, did, uh, then ended up having children. Um, so with, she had um, a number of children, and she decided that she would homeschool them all. So she's gone through a 14-year process of homeschooling. And um, when I was speaking to her about it, she was kind of going, I just kind of, I just followed like what I was meant to follow. And I just like took on the national curriculum and kind of like paired up with people. And, um, and now her kids have gone through and sat GCSEs and, and like they're in a really, really strong position because they've been supported throughout that whole process by, by this wonderful individual. But like, I was kind of saying to her, like, like for somebody that doesn't have a, like any real O-levels here, you've done phenomenally well. Like you, you've, taking like i think it's like four kids in the end through a whole education curriculum system all amazing. different ages so she was having to teach multiple system like multiple education systems at the same time i was saying to her like the transferable skills from that experience are just phenomenal so if we're talking about does she have the potential and the, the capacity absolutely so what failed her in the early days and um it, it just shows you like if if somebody's got kind of the passion and the determination, like then they can they can do stuff and to a high level. So she got to this point where actually like she could move past that and start pursuing her career. And then COVID hit, that dreaded C word again. Um, but she kind of she looked at the economy and what she was doing, and, and she went, "No, I can help here. I can I can work for a care home, and I can give it a, give it a go." So she went and worked for a care home. Um, but it didn't quite work out with that one. She she was frustrated at like the lack of standards it would be kind of the best way of putting it. So she then joined us and has been with us for quite some time. And um, recently we promoted her to a, a team leader within our, our side. Um, and that was because of her work ethic, the commitment to quality and all that stuff. But also because we put on a level three apprenticeship, which she's like absolutely smashed through. Um, She's got her functional skills English now at level two. She's about to sit the functional skills maths exam as well. So once she gets through that, um, she's already been interviewed by a university and given a, a like a conditional offer to, to move into the nurse associate program. So 30 years on, she's now able to follow that dream career that she set out at the age of like 14, 15. So apprenticeships are phenomenal. And it's not just because like what we, what we need to look at is how we can use them for, for people that are genuine, that have genuinely missed out on the opportunity in the early, early days. Like they're such a powerful resource and a powerful opportunity for people that we should be capitalizing on that. Because if you get the right person with the right drive at the right time in their life, with the right support and the right mentorship, with all of the right 
the right systems and training around them, you'll have somebody that's phenomenal. And they're the people that will, will run the businesses yeah. in the future, right? That's, yeah, amazing. So, yeah, I, I put, that was meant to be a 30-second no, spiel, you, but you've got a no, full like, story. No, like, with, with stories <laughs> like that, I think you have to, yeah, no, I really appreciate you sharing yeah. that because that's, that's those are the kind of stories that, that make it make it real. Um, and, Absolutely. yeah, I think remind us all, regardless of what area of apprenticeships that we're in, the, the positive impact that they can have. And, yeah, they can be truly transformative when you get that magic mix um yeah. as, as you've highlighted absolutely and i think we sometimes forget that there are people mm -hmm. that are disadvantaged through like education systems and through social systems that actually it's not because they're not clever or bright it's because they don't have the opportunity to excel and actually ultimately for education we want to move them into employment so if we can set up that environment in our like from an employer's side so that they can excel and it's right for that individual then actually the, the education that comes along with that whole process like can transform and, and turn this person into a talented person that's on the, on on pursuit to their future career and their future dream job yeah, job exactly well, well that's a wonderfully positive yeah. note to finish on so We'll, we'll leave it there. We appreciate appreciate you coming on the podcast, Alex, and sharing sharing your experiences for personally being an, an apprentice, but also working with all those other apprentices and the, the positive impact it can have. So thank you again and hopefully speak again. Awesome.